Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians broadcast. I'm your host, founder and ministry leader, Brandon Dawson. In this very exclusive special four-part broadcast series titled The Call, I will be reading from the first four chapters of my new book, The Northeast Coast Prophecies. These very first few chapters detail the incredible transformation that launched my prophetic journey into the Northeast Coast prophecies, which laid the very foundations and groundwork of the incredible revelations that I would later receive detailed in the book. Now, the book has not yet been published. It is still in the final editing stages, but it details my incredible prophetic journey into the revelations and visions which reveal America's identity in biblical prophecy, both in its past, present, and future in the biblical prophetic timeline not revealed by any other ministry or book out there. All of these revelations and insights are first-hand original visions and revelations given to me about the nation. So if you would like to receive updates on when this book will become available, you can head over to our site and subscribe with your email in which you'll be notified instantly on any new announcements concerning the book. Also, if you're listening to this message on one of our podcast channels or on our YouTube or social media channels, I will include the link in the about sections where you can go and view some of the very personal photos that I have included from the book about my journey. I will also include the links for the last reading, which I just published in the two-part series, with my very horrifying encounters with Satan himself, uncovering major insights behind the horrific satanic rituals around abortion and child sacrifice, which is tied to the overall revelations of the Northeast Coast prophecies. Now, all that being said, let's jump right in. Chapter 1, The Call Where was Abraham when God called him? He was comfortably settled in the bustling metropolis of Ur of the Chaldeans, a city steeped in ancient Mesopotamian culture, a place notorious for rampant pagan worship. God's call rarely graces those privileged enough to have evaded the allure and the influence of worldly pleasures. As stated in Romans 2.11, God shows no favoritism, extending his call to those both well-equipped and ill-prepared, virtuous and steeped in sin. Indeed, even the prophet Isaiah once confessed, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. Paul, originally known as Saul, was actively persecuting Christians when God's call penetrated his life on the road to Damascus. Despite the consensus among the self-proclaimed prosperity prophets, very rarely does a prophecy or the rise of a prophet coincide with periods of peace or prosperity. Instead, they emerge amidst profound distress, shadowed by division, imbued with evil, and marked by oppression. In the Old and New Testaments, God's intervention occurred unexpectedly, extended towards the most unlikely individuals, enduring apparent impossibilities when hope seemed a distant dream. This is how God works. It's in these times when the call resounds the loudest. Moses, for instance, was born during a large-scale genocide 
When Egyptians systematically eliminated all male Hebrew children, Gideon, in contrast, was hiding while threshing wheat, living a life plagued by raids and attacks from Israel's relentless enemies. Prophets Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah received their callings during the pinnacle of Israel's apostasy, precisely when Babylon laid siege to Jerusalem and demolished the first Jewish temple. Daniel's divine summons echoed while he was living in Babylonian exile. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther all received their divine commissions while living under the oppressive Persian Empire during what Daniel identified as times of great distress. Similar to Moses, Jesus was born during the tyrannical reign of the Roman Empire, which once again was a period of mass genocide of Jewish male children. My call wasn't much different. An unfathomable tragedy plagues our contemporary world, the relentless genocide of unborn children, with countless lives lost to the horrific act of abortion. This reality hits me particularly hard as my own existence was once suspended in a delicate balance. I entered this world prematurely, making my debut more seven and a half months into my mother's pregnancy following a traumatic miscarriage. My survival was nothing short of miraculous. Reflecting upon this, I am profoundly grateful for my parents' unyielding courage and strength. I can't help but wonder about the different outcome my birth had it been in the hands of others less generous than them. Today we find ourselves entrenched in an era arguably one of the darkest in our nation's and world's history. Our reality is rife with disease, plague, violence, war, tyranny, and systematic suppression of biblically conservative speech and values further tainted by corruption, greed, and unimaginable evils. Indeed, we are living in perilous times. Yet, it's within our darkest moments that light shines the brightest. The present-day proliferation of critical race theory in our public schools, the blatant promotion of drag queen story times in public libraries, the aggressive endorsement of transgenderism among our children, the abortion holocaust, the stifling of our constitutional rights to free speech, the politicization of healthcare and vaccine mandates, the impending collapse of the banking system, the surge of a global digital currency, and the systematic eradication of conservatives and Christians in our society indicate not only the emergence of the lawless one, the spirit of the Antichrist, and God's impeding judgments, but also signs of redemption and the coming of an excellent harvest for the redeemed and remnant church. If there are signs of impeding judgment, there are equally signs of approaching redemption, for judgment and salvation often coincide. With this in mind, every believer is called to take a firm stand in Christ. So where was I when my call came? A dozen years of reckless and sinful living culminated in my existence within a deprecate 1970s camper in some random guy's backyard in the rural expanse of Texas. I was earning just $9.50 per hour as a security guard and didn't even have a car. Despite being a high school graduate with six years of military service, four years of college education, and ten years of law enforcement and private security experience, I had barely five dollars. I was convinced I had irreparably ruined my life. 
With two divorces under my belt, I had established a reputation for being a deadbeat, a con artist, selfish, and, re and reckless. Not a single family member wanted to associate with me at this point. I couldn't attribute my failures to drug or alcohol addiction, crime, disease, illness, or mental instability. Instead of seeking God and His will for my life, I pursued my own pleasures and made choices grounded in desire, fear, temptation, irrational thoughts, and impulsive decisions. I was living in the height of my personal Mesopotamia. There's something simultaneously assuring and biblically distinctive about life in the wilderness, or in my case, the vast desert in West Texas, bereft of trees, water, grass, and any visible signs of civilization for miles. Every day seemed indistinguishable from the last. There appeared to be no escape, no progress, just the same montaneous road that stretched into the horizon, seemingly endless. Yet the call came when I began to resign myself to an eternity in this never-ending desert. My call didn't come from angelic visions, cherubim sightings, pillars of fire, or burning bushes. Instead, it started with a simple verse discovered during a small men's Bible study group. This verse would soon become a portal, literally and metaphorically, that opened up heaven's floodgates into my life, flooding it with visions, prophecies, spiritual confrontations, miracles, and wonders far beyond my imagination. These words would orchestrate the rise and fall of nations, immersing me in a world of kingdoms and dominions, a realm not constrained by time, space, or sensory perception, leading to a divine calling far surpassing my comprehension or personal objectives. In search for an additional part-time job, I encountered a man who sold health products online. He invited me to join his weekly men's small group Bible study. It was Monday, January 6, 2015. This Bible study group was the most human interaction I had experienced outside my lonely camper in over four months. Thus, the invitation induced a mix of anxiety and anticipation. However, I felt an irresistible urge to venture beyond the cold tin walls of that camper. The group conveyed in the modest living room of a small home on the city outskirts, enveloped by a quiet neighborhood. As we arrived, I noted the typical white carpeting and brick fireplace with a welcoming fire that shielded us from the chilling 20-degree temperatures outside. Above the fireplace was a traditional wood beam mantle, and around it were four chairs arranged in a circle with a couch and a love seat. We had to retrieve two additional chairs from the kitchen to accommodate myself and another new guest. Diagonally across from us was a medium-sized 42-inch flat-screen TV. The ambience was that of a typical working-class home. As we each took our seats, the leader initiated our study with a simple prayer. We turned our Bibles to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, which read, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. The church the men belonged to had embarked on a unique and rare journey, a tide challenge, a new concept to me. Nonetheless, it plagued my curiosity. The sizable church, boasting over a thousand members, 
urged each member to commit to a whole 10% tithe for 12 weeks based upon Malachi 3.10. They made a daring promise. If God did not unleash heaven's floodgates in their lives as a result of their tithing, the church would refund their tithes in full. This bold initiative was perhaps one of the most potent displays of faith I had ever witnessed in a church, a reason that I had nothing more to lose. After the Bible study that night, I made a vow to depart from my personal Mesopotamia, akin to Abraham, with no idea where I was heading or the outcome. I was determined to escape the montaneous road that seemed to lead nowhere. Not only did I pledge to join the church's tide challenge, but I also resolved to rededicate my life to Christ, repenting and turning away from my sinful past. Regardless of the cost, I vowed to follow the Lord God wherever He would lead me. The men in our group seated me in what they called the fire seat, a single chair designated solely for prayer. Each man laid his hands on me, and we prayed for the Lord to open up His floodgates upon my life, illuminate my path, and guide my journey. That fateful night, sleep eluded me as if caught in an erythial tug of war. My spirit, embroiled in a profound internal struggle, clung tenaciously to the prayer and pledge that I had made. I cradled the hope that it would not dissolve into insignificance. As the moon waned and the sun rose, marking the passage of the ensuring 12 weeks, I continuously devoted a tenth of my humble paycheck to tithing. Aiming this commitment, I remained steadfast, attending the Monday night men's Bible study group and ensuring my presence in every Sunday service in the church. The tapestry of my faith was woven thread by thread, each stitch a testament to my unwavering belief. Then after three transformative months, on a spring day that I will never forget, April 14, 2015, I found myself under the vast New York City skyline my pockets carrying a humble $300. The magnetic pull of the Holy Spirit's guidance led me to JFK Airport, where destiny introduced me to my future wife, Tiffany. This serendipitous encounter sparked the dawn of my ministry, forever altering the trajectory of my life. As I stood there, the enormity of the moment waited on me. My journey had led me here, amidst the bustling throng of the city, to a turning point that would shape not only my destiny, but also the contours of my faith, touching thousands of lives worldwide. Needless to say, I did not request a refund from the church. To this very day, Trinity Fellowship Church of Amarillo, Texas, founded by Pastor Jimmy Evans, still offers its 90-day Tide Challenge. That's going to conclude part one of this broadcast. I hope you'll continue on with me to part two to hear what follows next. Until then, stay encouraged, keep running your race, keep fighting the good fight of faith, don't lose hope, and never give up.